myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello, and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is photographer, videographer, and blues legend, Sam Brand. That's a full disclosure. I had no idea Sam Brand played blues before this interview. So I was completely taken aback when he talked about playing blues in the Delta growing up in Tupelo area. He was nicknamed the Tupelo Kid and during his blues days in Mississippi, playing harmonica and guitar. We talk about his photograph- love of photography, growing up in Mississippi, being a blues musician, and then we get into his fear of public speaking. So let's get into this interview with the Tupelo Kid, Sam Brand. All right, we're here with photographer, videographer, Sam Brand. Sam, how you doing? Pretty good, man. How about yourself today? I'm actually doing pretty well. I actually got eight hours of sleep for once. That's That's been a rarity <laughs> during the pandemic. I've kind of, my anxiety kind of keeps me, you know, maybe like four to five hours. Like I used to, I would wake up at like seven or eight a lot of times, going to bed at like three or four in the morning, and I'd wake up shortly thereafter. Yeah, that's my problem, like. I'll be like on the couch until like four or five in the morning and then get woken up to go to bed just to wake up like three hours later. So it's always fun. Yes. Uh, fun's not the way I describe it, but it is what it is. <laughs> so Sam, how did you, how did you discover photography? Uh, man, honestly, I found my dad's old camera into high school and started goofing off with it. And then when I went to Delta state, I just like, I was doing recording engineering, so I needed some time to like fill up the rest of the classes. So I took every like traditional photography class I could. So darkroom life was my life if I wasn't in a recording studio. That's so interesting. So was your dad like a big photographer too? Did that kind of? No, actually he had this old camera he used for like crime scene photography because he was a police chief or not police chief, fire chief in Oklahoma for a while. And he took all the accident photography for a little bit. Ooh, I wonder what that was like. That had to be. I got some fun stories and some stuff that I'm going to save for a different podcast, I guess. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for not gracing my podcast with that. <laughs> but that it's, it is interesting, though, to be like the head, like, and just have to take photos of stuff like that has got to be, you know, a story. I guess a stoic conversation, I would say to say the least, you know, just I could see why the camera was packed away yeah. and not out somewhere that you could see it. <laughs> that you had to find it is what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, wasn't, a, I guess, a enjoyable memory, but it was a memory nonetheless. Yeah, it was all the like for arson investigation and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like to find out like how the fire started and places of interest to photograph and stuff like that. What was that fireman movie back with uh, in the nineties with Kurt Backdraft? Yeah, that's, that's what your that's what your dad sounds like. He's like is in Backdraft. <laughs> he was William Baldwin. He had some coolness to him. 
So did you not never want to be a fireman at all growing up? No, I mean, I, as you can tell by the long hair, which is partly COVID's fault. I haven't been into a uh, barber shop in a while. Uh, I've been just a, into music and art all my life. Well, that's awesome. You do do great work with your Sam Brand photography. You've f- photographed many of the comedians and all kinds of shows, like your your musical shows and stuff like that that you photograph and capture. I really love the way you capture the lighting because it feels like you're actually in the room. Sometimes when you do like those dark rooms, you can have like either one that wipes yeah. out their face. Oh my God. The lighting, the stage lighting at DCH in those cans that they had, they'd have that one in the middle that just like blasted your face. And if they stepped out of the lighting, then it's just like a dark shadow and you know, like you can't mediate between the two. Yeah. It is hard with comedy because it's almost such a stationary art sometimes that you have to have like sometimes those cans just be bright in one spot because that's where they all are. But for videoing and, and photography, I was like, sometimes it's a nightmare. Like I, I struggle with the old backdoor when I would record myself because like I had, I learned how to use brightness at that place. Cause like every time I did it, my face was like, it looked like a goat, like an aberration yeah. was doing stand up. And so I learned how to, how to darken and it's always yeah. been my benefit to learn how to do that. But I'm not near, I guess at your level of being able to master lighting and it's all about capturing light because that's what photography is. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I started off with film, like where I had like a finite amount of shots, like with 24 to 35 shot or 36 shots on a roll of film. So it's all about like just getting it perfect in camera. Mm-hmm. So what do you look for lighting wise? Like when you when you're trying to take that perfect picture using a film camera? To be honest, I haven't shot film since 2006, I think, mm-hmm. maybe seven but uh, just when you're in general, when you're taking a picture, you just want everything to be exposed mm-hmm. equally. And like, I try to go with, like you said, with my pictures, they look like you're in the room. I try to capture it as naturally as possible. And sometimes you get it. And sometimes those like crazy, like colored lights will throw things off. We have to do a lot of post editing or something, mm-hmm. but generally it's kind of easy just to look at your camera and shoot. And I'll always like take a couple shots and people see me screwing around with my camera, just adjusting it to how I think it needs to go yeah. just to get that lighting just right. And that's what, that's what, one thing I do admire is that you, there is such an attention to detail with what you're, with what I see in your work. Like it's, I mean, it's even at like an open mic, you're, you're taking like quality shots. You're not just taking a, Oh, here you go. You know, like it is like, this is their comedy special kind of photograph. Yeah. Well, you put your best work out there. Mm-hmm. I, I take a lot of shitty pictures, like, but I only I'm the only one that sees those. Like they get deleted and I go through everything. So like there's a lot that people don't see that I do. Unfortunately, I take nothing but shitty pictures according to the people that I have photographed for. Like, man, what is this? And I'm like <laughs> they there's like the key for them is they tell me that to record video, like do video shots on the phone and then take a still from the video. <laughs> versus trying to capture it in a brief moment because your phone will sometimes have a delay where yeah. it'll and then they'll be like god and then that's when the photo takes is when they're like cussing you out well where i come from with my photography is i'm a performer myself like i'm a musician mm-hmm. as well so i look and try to capture people in the moment or like the best moments like when they're really feeling something or really interacting and kind of be stealthy like a ninja when i'm going around not to be like in their face because a lot of photographers i've seen go around 
they'll just go up and like, I'm going to stick this right in your face while you're on the stage. Yeah. And there I am like hiding behind like a column or squatting down behind people with like a 200 millimeter zoom lens, like snapping away with a with a with a table outfit. So you look like one of the tables, like a little candle on the back of you, just as you stealthy, yeah. you're like an assassin just taking photos. It's the way you got to be, man, is because if you're not that way, you're going to be like distracting the performer. <clears throat> and that's what a lot of people need to realize when they're getting into this. Mm-hmm. Cause like I, I shot for Gretchen Young a while back and she was like, just kind of stay hidden. And then there was somebody shooting one of her friends, I think shooting for her and where I'm like hiding behind tables or sitting down at a table, like just mm-hmm. being like a sniper. This person's like standing up three feet from the stage with the flash on too. Uh. <laughs> and just the comedians are kind of like every time be like, I have a question about the flash is, is it better to do no flash or flash photography? What it, what are the benefits of the flash besides <clears throat> destroying my retinas? <laughs> well, if you don't have a great camera that's not great in low light, you're mm-hmm. going to need a flash just so you can get a good exposure. Mm-hmm. But it, a flash will give depth to a picture where you don't see it usually. But I use a flash like if I'm doing studio work mm-hmm. or if I'm doing like a, a shoot, like an actual shoot. But like when on stage, opening up your camera and just... I would say it's definitely not something that's it, it, it's very frowned upon in the performance industry, to, yeah. to say the least. As a comic, you don't want because one uh, to uh, take a little trick out of the trade is when a comic is getting near done with the time that they're allotted on stage, they're usually identified by a light. Why the light? Oh, is yeah. still Why it's still just one color is beyond me because there are sometimes when they want you to stretch and they'll give you a light and move it to say to stretch. Yeah. Where I'm like, why not just give me a green light to keep going and a red light to say, hey, wrap it up. Yeah, you get this stuff. Yeah. I see it all the time. I love the shows. Like I've learned a whole lot about the comedy scene here in Dallas since I've been shooting. It's fun, though, man. It's just honestly staying incognito is Mm -hmm. that's the secret of my success. Stay incognito except on social media. Like make sure that people know. Sam Brand while you're shooting yeah yeah while you're shooting stay back but then just I slap my d across everybody's face with my watermark so (laughs) the d and the brand that is (laughs) you do great work I've always been impressed with your work now you said you're a musician so yeah what what instrument do you play guitar or I play guitar and I was mostly known for harmonica playing back when I was in the delta really but uh I'll strap on a harmonica and play guitar simultaneously sometimes it's more like uh kind of country blues mm-hmm. with rock and roll and folk so how did you get into country blues like is that something your dad just listened to and it just kind of grown on you dude i grew up with the beatles like my dad didn't know lullabies and stuff so he would play beatles songs and then paul mccartney and wings and stuff like that i had the band on the run album i would listen to like all the time on his tape deck but it's just uh Kind of where I come from, Tupelo is kind of in the hill country area mm-hmm. of Mississippi. And then I spent a good bit of time in the uh, Delta, mm-hmm. like going to all the juke joints and playing. That's hardcore blues right there, like Tupelo, Tupelo and Memphis and all that. They call me the Tupelo Kid. Like I got that name in uh, Morgan Freeman's place. The first time I was there, this guy was like, hit me one note on that harm or play me something. I hit one note and he stopped uh, John Horton. So it is him and Mississippi slam were playing. And he's like, stop right there. I can tell you got some soul. 
And then he announced me the Tupelo kid and called me up on the stage that way. And that name just kind of stuck with me, but like you, I saw some stuff. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I played some dirty places mm-hmm. and did a lot of music. So, but that's how those juke joints are. Like that's, that's the heart of blues in a country like it there there none of those places look like they're you know they're places you you would think about just going it's just pl- people went yeah. there because you heard what was going on inside it was more of a peek inside rather than oh this is the place you got to go oh dude there were some places you have to like drive out into the country and it'd be like an old shack like my favorite place was po monkeys in marigold mississippi it was just this old shack and inside it they had a pool table a bar and it was like uh, the craziest stuff just tacked on the wall everywhere you look. That's that, that, but it's so much music history too because you know those places have always been either one you know just something that that's out in the woods that because that's the only place you were allowed to play or you know there's just so much I would say I guess soul like you would say soul because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the greatest of times but this is where you went to have a good time during those. During that, his those places came about because there were all the field hands and the sharecroppers and everything. Mm-hmm. They would just get off the field on Friday evening and then just go take their paycheck to the bar. They could cash it and hear some music, get some liquor, mm-hmm. play cards, whatever they wanted to do. Like it was just kind of location, location, location was the yeah. whole thing on that one. So what's it like as a as a blues player to get get on some of those blues stages that? They're legendary because of the stories and the lore that behind. Dude, I just get up and play like I would mostly played harmonica mm-hmm. when I was doing that. And I would just get up and just lose myself in the music. There were some great people I played with every like I've played with uh, Burnsides to Morgan Fields, which Morgan Field was uh, Muddy Waters last name. Mm-hmm. I played with his son or yeah, his son, Big Bill and just too many people, too numerous to mention. But I've had some good times and it's just yeah. you lose yourself in the music more than the history. Or I do at least because that's just how I get yeah. into it when I'm playing. But I mean, it's just so much great music was just, you know, you're just sitting on a stage where so much great music is is either still playing or has played. And it like it's just yeah. going to be it's got to be such a neat feeling. I mean, maybe they're not as notoriety as, you know, like an Elvis Presley and stuff like that. But to play on those stages where so many great musicians just yeah would just party would be it just would be so cool oh man i was like 2006 when i played with big bill morganfield like i was just on cloud nine just thinking i was like wow i'm playing with muddy water son right now and he kept me up the entire night like he heard one he's like i'll let you play one or two and then after he heard me he's like keeping me up and just i get half that like that's that's my thing like music i just roll my eyes back in my head when I'm really feeling it get possessed by the music, I guess. Yeah. Uh, And it's such an interesting dichotomy to your fear because what you're afraid of is almost the same thing. It's so, it's so, it's so interesting that you can do one, but not the other. I'm hiding behind an instrument, man. That's my main thing. But I, I was thinking about it. My fear of like public speaking and stuff came as a kid because like, ah, my buddy, that I'm still friends with today. I've been friends with since like second grade, maybe I can't even remember how long, but uh, he had an internet answering machine mm-hmm. call wave or something like that. And I would call him and be like, Hey man, what are you up to? Let's do something. 
And then I would show up to his house and him and his buddies would be like making fun of how like country I sounded. So like I, I used to have a lot worse dialect than I do now. Mm-hmm. If the Mississippi isn't showing through right now as I it talk. I hear, I hear some of the Mississippi in there, but it's not like, uh, you know, over the top Mississippi. You yeah. know. It used to be a lot worse. I, I worked on it. Mm-hmm. I, traveling around because I've lived everywhere. I went from Tupelo to Memphis, then to New Orleans and Houston Dallas back to New Orleans and now back to Dallas again. So you've gotten a lot of good food and everywhere you, everywhere you mention it, it's like, man, there's some good eats probably in all of those. Oh man. Most definitely. Of course, tops barbecue is supposed to be the big one in Memphis and it's not really much to see. I've had better barbecue here in Texas. Okay. So that, so where is your best barbecue spot, Texas? If you were to pick one, <sighs> dude, my grill, to be honest. Okay. Humble brag, humble brag that Sam Brand not only does <laughs> photography and music, but he also kills it on the barbecue. Yeah, man. I, I'm just, I'm a sucker for my own meat, I guess. Mm-hmm. I like the, it adds to it, like the preparation and everything, knowing that I did that. Yeah. It just tastier. Yeah. Plus you smell it like the whole day. You have to sit there and you oh just, my God. If, you, if you do brisket in the oven, that's the worst because it smells so good and you can't touch it, but it, it, it just smells like it's ready. For like three hours. I've only done one brisket and mm-hmm. it was, I meant to start it earlier, but I think it was like one o'clock when I started and it was 345 in the morning when we pulled it off. Yeah. So it was like an entire day. Cause we didn't have a great smoker. So my grandma would cook them in the oven and it mm-hmm. was torture. It was absolute torture cause it would smell so good, <laughs> but it wouldn't be near done. And so you're just sitting there for four hours smelling this delicious like seasoning and marinade that she's got on there. And you're just like, when is this going to be ready? Like I'm ready to tear into yeah. it. I'm like, you would just starve yourself almost think about it. Cause it's like, it's gotta be so good once we get, and it was, but just, you know, waiting cause she would do it like on a Saturday or Sunday. So me and me and my family would be watching football the whole day. So We'd yeah. be, we'd be close to the kitchen and we would just kind of glance back. Is it ready? You know, is it- <laughs> Oh man, that's the worst having to smell it, especially if you're hungry. So do you think your fear of public speaking comes from the accent only? Like, is it just because of your Mississippi accent? You just got self-conscious of how people. Well, like I, my buddy would like, they would rip me apart. Like they would just be like, listen to this country, son of a bitch. Wow. And just like, it was harsh and I got super self-conscious. These were my friends. So yeah. I was like, friends hurt you the worst because they can, they, they know exactly what you're self-conscious about. And they just, they hit that nerve. My best friends did the same thing. Like they, yeah. would, they would make fun of me and it would be all the stuff that I do, but I don't realize that I do. Oh yeah. And so th- they would do things and it would be stuff that I would all of a sudden get really self-conscious about. <laughs> and so I, I don't even wear shorts for the most part. Cause they would make fun of how skinny my legs were. And I'm like, okay. And so I've worn <laughs> jeans like, pretty much my entire life like jeans oh, pants. man you're missing out on some cool days man like especially those hot ones that ventilation you get from shorts i have wind pants and <laughs> it's like sleeping bags for my legs but the it was just one of those things where i just got super self-conscious about it and it's just it's always forever haunted me so i i totally get where you're coming from <laughs> when your friends rip you it's like yeah Oh, you 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 don't realize I've looked like this now because you've said something my whole life. Okay, cool. I um, mean, freshman year going through like public speaking class was terrible because I'm just like uh 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 trying not to say and um mm-hmm. 
is I'll get in my head. I get in my head when I have to talk in front of people. But like music is what did it because I get on a stage, hide behind my guitar. Like when I first started, I wouldn't even really talk. I was just like this next song. Enjoy it. I wouldn't even talk or anything. And then just as the liquor started getting more and more in me, I just got more and more comfortable because yeah. I would have like Jack Daniels, please rocks only. And just like one after another until I just didn't give a shit. And it kept it shining through. You sound like a new comic. It sounds a lot like every new comic. Like, yeah, just one more drink. I'll be, I'll be, you. it's one of those things too. Like the more you do stage performance, the less I would say there's still always going to be some stage fright with what I do. And, but what I would happen is I would get nervous before I go on. So I still do like to this day, like until I get that first laugh, I'm a little yeah. tight, but I've learned how to get that first laugh kind of quickly so I can go, okay you know, okay, we're, we're in it. All right, let's go. Well, being in your head is how you get better because you think about what am I going to screw up? What am I going to do wrong? And how can I not do that? And that's what I'm thinking the whole time. And every little mistake, like if I get on guitar and sing in front of a stage, I'm like, Oh, I fucked that up. And I'll do, I'll do that just to kind of better myself for next time. Just to be like, kind of chastise myself mm -hmm. as much as I can. So I don't make the same mistake, I guess. So I'm sure you guys do it too. Yeah. So like, if you have to public speak, like how do you prepare yourself? So say you have, say you're going to say, because you're so your photography, they're going to have you speak at some photography conference. <laughs> and how would you Sam brand get kind of in the, I would say in the groove to actually speak on stage. I'd be hoping someone had a vape pen in the background beforehand and be like, Hey guys, but, uh, or at least a couple shots of whiskey or something, mm -hmm. but, uh, no, it, it's kind of, it comes easy now because from doing it on stage and then I've had a lot of jobs where I've been like management and have to train people and stuff like that. So I basically just get up there like I'm shooting the shit with anybody okay. and that's the way I do it. That's Kind of get out of my, I'm still in my head a good bit, but. I would say that's the hard part is because we have our own vision of how we sound or how we look. And that's one thing that's got me mm -hmm. more comfortable in comedy is that at first I'm just, you know, this is, I'm free. I can do, I'm, I'm, I'm the cool person now. You have to listen to me. And I realized that that's not how people see me. I want people to see me like that, but that's not how they see me. Yeah. You kind of have to learn what people see versus what you think you are. And you have to kind of go between those two and kind of live in that in that margin. I call it suspension of disbelief. Like one self-perception of themselves, like that's going to be like the worst you can think of. Because you're going to be thinking, honestly, for like years as a kid, I thought I had a weird smile. So like for pictures and stuff, I'd be like, like I wouldn't show my teeth. And there's nothing wrong with my teeth. but I just thought that my smile was weird and it's just getting over the stuff like thinking what is pe what are people going to see that's wrong with me mm -hmm. or what am I going to do that's going to goof up that I'm going to do in front of these people and like that kind of holds a lot of people back from doing stuff because they get in their head so much and just letting that go is about the only way you can get up and do it. Yeah. Amen on that because there is a lot of things that even now I think of that I'm like Hmm. They're going to, you know, it, and that's just comes from a lifetime of being bullied 
It's just, I always, I feel everything is under a microscope and I always want, I don't, I want them to only see what I want to show them, not for them to see something else. And then it's like, oh no, I let my, you know, I let my guard down. Oh, I totally know that, man. Like I was, I'm a former fat kid. So like the way I walked, the way I did everything, I would always kind of just be in a shell holding on to my backpack and people can't believe that now. Like, cause I'm so open and outgoing. It's just getting out of your head and really not caring what other people think and know you're going to do what you're going to do and you enjoy doing what you do. And that's how I, that's the only way I've been able to do it. Cause even playing music when I first started back when I was like, I think about 13, when I was playing in front of people, I would do stupid stuff. Like I remember like being so nervous in front of like, I think there were like 1500 people in that audience. I played in front. I dropped my book when I was getting off the stage and then just bent over poking my ass straight towards everybody and uh, doing something goofy like that. And just, I was so embarrassed. I almost didn't get back up when I got called back up again, but uh, being able to get over that stuff is how you accomplish, like being able to put on a good performance to get in front of people and just, do what you love, like whether it be comedy, music or whatever, or having to talk to a whole bunch of people. I still am terrible about talking because I'll start rambling kind of like I am now, I guess, because this is a little different for me as well. Yeah, that's what that's... <laughs> I've never been on like this part of an interview. Welcome. Welcome to being the guest. It, it, it's it got to be. I've, I've been the guest <laughs> on my own podcast. I had a friend interview me for my fear of karaoke. And it's kind of the same, it's the same, it's pretty much almost the same as yours as, as far as public speaking is like, you could, you're kind of the opposite where you could do karaoke, but you couldn't do comedy. And she was like, why, you know, why are you afraid of karaoke? And I was like, well, because that's someone else's masterpiece. And I'm just, I'm over here just butchering it with my terrible voice. (laughs) I'm, you know, ruining their masterpiece. I'm, that's the thing about music is you can take other people's work and yeah, and just almost at some points, you know, just not be talented enough, but just have fun with it. And I think that's, it's just something I always was, I'm always like that, that song was really good. I hate, I'd hate to ruin it with my voice singing it. Well, where people mess up on stuff like that and mess themselves up is they try to like, do an exact replication of it instead of like just making it their own and having a good time with it. Yeah. Cause my songs, none of them sound exactly spot on to the original songs. Cause I put my twist on it. Yeah. And if I'm doing karaoke, I'm drunkish everything. Like I'm, I'm like five sheets in the wind a little past three. Okay. Cause I can't get up and do it. Like I'm still self-conscious when it comes to that. If I'm not hiding behind a guitar or playing the music myself, just, having fun with it is the main key that people need to realize that they need to do to just kind of get over any kind of fears about being in front of people like that. So you just said five sheets in the wind. So where did that, where does that phrase come from? Cause that's a very, I didn't know there was different numbers of sheets in the wind. Well, I just say that because usually I have a tendency, like if I'm not driving mm-hmm. and I'm doing something like that, I'm going to be a little drunker than mm-hmm. the average bear, I guess. Okay. <laughs> like they just, that's my whiskey drunk is five okay. sheets. Okay. Beer is three sheets, whiskey, liquor drunk. <laughs> okay. 
I like I like that there's different numbers of sheets. Like you, they if someone would ask you how drunk are you, five sheets. Okay, let's go get you an Uber. Three sheets. I'll I think drive. like eight sheets is pissing in the bed drunk, yeah. but <laughs> I eight haven't she- made it there. And eight sheets will call you college. an ambulance. Eight sheets will call you an ambulance. <laughs> you you clearly have alcohol poisoning at this point. And like six sheets as you wake up in the next morning with your phone dead from calling and texting mm-hmm. ex girlfriends and stuff like that. Yeah, I. <laughs> That was me probably a while ago. Like, I'm sure that there are many nights I probably sh- was not in a good space. And so I, I've I've been with those situations like, oh, I've woken up and been like, where am I? Okay, I'm home. How did I get <laughs> home? Well, that's, is the car, is the car totaled? Is the car, is the car wrecked at all? <laughs> I feel, I, I've totally changed at that point. And thanks to comedy, it's been kind of a lifesaver as far as just i would say mentally just to kind of be able to take this what i have up here and unload it as and repackage it. oh i mean that's such a godsend to be able to do to get what's in your heart out and to like show it to other people and it's like it's such a therapeutic thing to do and like mm-hmm. if more people would realize that it's like such an easy thing to do just to try to get burdens out of you. Like just, if you don't like talking to people about your problems, get up and perform it or something like that. And then you got this huge weight lifted off of you when you do that. Yeah, I agree. So if somebody else had stage fright, if you, you knew somebody was going to either try, you know, try to do something public speaking besides sheets in the wind, what would you, what would, what would be your advice to them to, they were like, hey, I've seen you get up on stage, and I know you've had stage fright, Sam. I guess just get up and just be yourself and realize you're not going to die. You're not going to have any detrimental things. If you goof up, you might make a laugh or two, but it's only going to be brief. Like Someone may laugh at you, but you're going to get off and go back, and everything's going to be the fine. The same way if it was before you got off as it will be after you get off. Yeah. and. Whiskey helps. <laughs> whiskey helps. Yes, three she- three sheets of whiskey. Five sheets. Don't let's not get to five. <laughs> three sheets beforehand, <laughs> then take the other two sheets after. I always tell people, I was like, you know what? So what if you mess up? I mean, now that you've now that you've messed up, you've done it. You've messed up. You've gotten what what it feels like to mess up out of the way, and you survived. Yeah, and it's not that bad. Because it's it's not a natural thing to to try to be a leader. There is a crowd mentality. There is a there it becomes a group think. Yeah. When you go on stage. Yeah, like I said, always the go to is have a flask of whiskey. If you're scared about stuff, take a shot beforehand. Like that's might be a little Mississippi coming out at me, but it works. Keep it in the car though. <laughs> Do not bring it into the establishment. <laughs> It's it's really fa- like I said it's really fascinating. As soon as you told me that you you do do stage performance, that you do have a fear of public speaking, and to realize that oh. it, that it comes from a place of somebody that you really you know have you confide in that's totally getting a laugh on their side, but not realizing kind of the damage they're doing on your side because you're just kind of <laughs> oh yeah it's super funny yeah you you got me there, and then what inside you're like I want to die right now. This is the worst thing. I, I can't believe this is what my friends think of me. And you like give yourself elocution lessons 
behind closed doors so you can not sound like a hillbilly from Mississippi. It's really you t- or a redneck. So would you? T- no, I'm just. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you t- actually. I was t- kind of being a little facetious. Okay. <laughs> Because I've done that too. Like I have gone on for comedy and stuff. I've looked at public speaking and acting videos and stuff. Yeah. To try to learn how to project and to speak from the diaphragm, things like that, to try to try to be loud without being like a raving, yeah, yelling person. It's crazy to admit this, but honestly, like my confidence came from doing it drunk a whole bunch of times and then slowly letting this sobriety come in a little bit and then while i'm doing it and then just able to just roll with it every time no matter what and see i was frustrated when i would when i would get drunk i would be frustrated because i'm i guess i would consider myself kind of a control freak and being drunk and being able to not move how i want to move because i used to be i used to go to dance clubs and dance a lot and when you got too drunk and you couldn't dance because you would lose your balance that would frustrate me oh dude that's like the Oops, I grabbed you the wrong way. Like, well, I did all that. This is like breakdancing and stuff and like stumbling and stuff. It's like, oh, oh, it's like, oh, this is not what I want. This is this is a little too far. And so I would get frustrated. And that's how that's kind of how I, you know, would try to monitor my drinking is like, OK, I want to feel good, but, this, you know, and loose. But at the same time, I don't want to feel like I am not in control of my body when I want to move a certain way. Yeah, I want to move that way. <laughs> and so when you say that, it's that you let sobriety and it's like, I bet that gets frustrating is when you're that drunk and you just either one stumble. Oh, dude, my fear of public speaking that I had is nothing like I can't dance unless I got a few libations in me, like multiple libations. Like I move with the liquor. Okay. So, I become the liquor like Mr. Leahy. So, so it's like, so you're a drink glass in the crowd just slosh sloshing around oh man that's the only way i do it especially the juke joints and stuff i would dance in and like back in the day you just get up stop have a drink in your hand and i don't hold it like this because this is like the old man yeah the old man wobble you can't do that okay i'm encroaching that age where people are going to expect that from me but mm-hmm. i can't let it happen okay you, you, you're going to be the tupelo kid forever you can't be the the tupelo senior the Tupelo, the Tupelo grandpa, the Tupelo Alzheimer's man. No. <laughs> what? No, just kidding. Uh, man. Yeah. It's, it's rough. You have so many fears instilled in you about anything in public. They all kind of run together and you like spend your whole adult life, like trying to shake them off. Yeah. That's, that's really what life is. And it's, or just embracing what people made fun of you for is actually okay. Like, I'm fucked up, but I accept it. It's me. Yeah. It's who I am. It's what I am. It's makes me me. And you like it or you don't. And just not giving two craps about it is about the only way to get by in life these days now. And that's what I figured out as far as like public speaking or whatever's talking in front of people, performing on a stage of any kind. I just kind of it make everything a stage, basically. My mentality when I'm talking to people or come up. I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, I get a little bit commandeering sometimes just because I'm so energetic. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's the only way to do it. Like, if you have any fears, just getting over it every day. Like, every aspect kind of making it the same. So, you see, it's not any different when you get on a stage compared to just going up and talking to people. And it just 
those little things like that make it so much easier to do. Yeah. I thank you for doing this, Sam. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Where can people find you on social media if they want to see your photography or your music? Well, it's, uh, God, I probably still got a MySpace up somewhere. The Tupelo kid. I don't even know if the music works on it still, but, uh, uh, as far as photography, Instagram, Sam brand photo, mm-hmm. and then Sam brand photography on Facebook, which there's a few videos roaming around. Like there's actually a couple pictures of me that a great comedian friend, Madeline Teague took at chocolate secrets. God rest that Mike's soul. I mm-hmm. missed that open mic forum, but, uh, don't really have a lot of my own music up, but my photography is everywhere. Yes. Nine times out of 10, like you'll see, you'll see someone with like a little S on their face mm-hmm. where they're using one of my pictures that I've taken. Cause I've gone around so much and I'm yeah. shooting everything. I'm seeing a lot of great comedians and meeting a lot of great people doing it. And you'll probably see your face on it. If you look hard enough. Yeah. I'm, I know I've got, you've taken some, a few of mine. And you even had a video of, I think, editing mine because you caught me like in a mid, I guess, act out. And so it was like a dance. And you made my. Oh, yeah, it was like back and forth. Yeah. (laughs) I'll do that every now and then because I'll shoot like rapid shots sometimes just to try to get the perfect expression. And sometimes it's fun when you're going like you hit left, right, left, right, left, right, because you'll see people going like. Yeah. Like a little gif or back and forth. It's fun. Just the stuff you can do with. It's like those cartoons where you had the little, where you would take the post-it note and you draw a cartoon slowly. So when you flip the, yeah. the, the deck of cards, it would, you would just be like a little act, a little <laughs> mini movie. Uh, it's fun stuff you can do with stills. And it's, I, I feel like also because you've worked in so many blues dives and stuff like that, maybe you've just got a little bit more like of a handle of lighting because of the because of the places that you've been that have been so oh yeah like dark and musky and stuff like that that you can kind learning of on film was where it was so uh, yeah any young photographer like my first camera was a 1966 like i had like a 1966 camera that had just the light meter was a circle with a little meter that went up and down and i'd be shooting like 200 to 400 speed film sometimes 100 when i was in better lighting conditions but making every shot count with that it just kind of led to like an ease with the digital because you can actually see what you're doing Mm -hmm. just to find how to see everything like you're seeing in real life so when you said speed of film like what is that i've always wondered like you know because i had a 110 instamatic (laughs) well iso is like how big the uh the silver halide crystals are on the Mm -hmm. film so if you've got hundred speed that's like super tiny so you're going to get finer detail Mm -hmm. and then like the higher iso you get the bigger the silver halide crystals get so it takes less light to expose those crystals because they're like uh it's like this compared to this Mm -hmm. like this is going to capture so much more light and at a quicker rate than something like that so it takes less light but uh it's where pixelation the word pixelation comes through Mm -hmm. when you start seeing like the squares in a picture in the digital realm, it's going to be perfect squares. But in the film world where I come from, you're going to see like these, like the black and white specs that you'll see and they get bigger and bigger and yeah, or they get more fuzzy the closer you get to them. 
and the bigger you enlarge them, you can see them. So like, it's all about like how sensitive you're either like, if it's digital, your sensor, or if it's film, your film is like how sensitive that is to the light and the size of those is what makes the difference on that. Well, that's fascinating. Well, thanks again, Sam. Bigger isn't always better. No, it is not. It definitely is. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. And we'll, we'll have you again here with a different fear any at some time here if you got any more <laughs> i'm sure people do it i've had one person say they're fearless and i'm like i don't believe you <laughs> when i get to play an alcohol poisoning is one because like somebody's sitting by me passing a bottle mm -hmm. i usually can't stop or don't realize what i'm doing while i'm playing like because i'm in the midst of music mm -hmm. it, everything takes over it's a moderation thing it's one of those it's one of those you know just a habit like I have to have well, some people <laughs> I like, I know people that only smoke when they drink. And so yeah. it's like, it's just that thing. It's almost like a ritual. Like if I have a drink, well, I also need to have a cigarette in my hand. And so it becomes like you said, with the, with the music and stuff, well, I'm used to having a drink right here. If I don't have a drink, I'm off. There's something that's off and I can't do what I'm doing because I don't have my comfort, my Southern comfort. <laughs> But it's it's just little things like that. It's really I always find it really fascinating, you know, like, wow. So that, you know, this kind of leads into you doing this. And if you didn't do this, then you don't even think about the other thing. Yeah. I want to be honest, man. Uh, this leading into something different like you're talking about. I just started video early or mid 2019. I've been stills mm -hmm. up until then. Like, so it's just been growing. Everything leads to something new and everything you do like the comedian stuff that i've been filming has led to me shooting some stuff for nbc and netflix here lately too that's awesome and just every little thing leads to something new it's just like with the anxiety and getting over that you gotta just kind of assimilate it into every part of life so you can kind of see it's nothing to it and it just comes easier every time you do but no true words have been spoken on this podcast. <laughs> Thanks again, Sam. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to seeing you on stage soon, man. So that was Sam Brand. I found it super relatable that his fear kind of comes from a place of being made fun of because that's where a lot of my fears have come from. So I totally related when he said his friends are making fun of his accent and how that made him feel, it put me in that space with him. And so I've, I've been there. I've been afraid of things because just the public embarrassment. Definitely check out his photography on Facebook and Instagram. I'll have links to that in the show notes. Don't know if we have any of his music anywhere for us to listen to. I'll conclude a link to Poe Monkey's in the show notes as well, so you can see the juke joint. It looks very juke jointy, if that's a description. He had a fantastic time recording this interview over the summer. We are doing more interviews. I am lined up almost for all of February and March. I have interviews. We're halfway through February as we speak. We have warm weather again here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. No more ice and sub-zero temperatures. It was extremely cold. I had fellow comedians crash at my place at some point. That was Monday. It was extremely 
extremely unpredicted that things would go this bad. And I know in some places generators failed. And so we were with or without electricity for some of the area. We lost a lot of power. A lot of pipes burst due to that power loss because people couldn't keep their house warm. So it was quite an adventure. We're above freezing again. Ice is melting. There's still some remnants of it. Some of my plants were lost in the freeze. But we will rebuild. We'll get better. Hopefully there will be changes to our electricity so that disasters like this won't happen. I feel like it's been a natural disaster for the most part. As I look outside at the sun in 60 degree weather... Did some grocery shopping, did some cooking, and I took a couple days off work, and I binge-watched Top Chef. I haven't seen the latest season. I I was DVRing it as it was airing, and I left town for a weekend, and all my episodes got overwritten because my DVR got full and started recording other things over it. And so after that, I was trying to find it, and I finally just got on the Bravo website and downloaded their, I guess, went to their view online and just binged watched them because they were only going to be available for a month because the new season's coming out in April. They were very limited, so I went ahead and watched it this weekend. If you're listening to this, I will be performing this weekend in Dallas, so if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, come to Hyenas Dallas. I'll be the middleman for the very hilarious Eric Myers, Arun Rama will be our MC for those shows. It'll be a fun show. Nothing else coming up outside of that. You can follow me at Ryan Perio. And if you like what you hear, leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen and can review podcasts. I have some exciting new guests coming up in March. I put a post out for people and I got an overwhelming number of responses especially with the weather being what it is hopefully we'll have a a ton of new episodes i've already recorded a couple and i still have some more i have it released and we'll get to those in succession thank you guys for listening to the sum of all fears podcast and now some thank yous for the folks that make this show possible thanks to barry whitewater for my art and graphics You can follow him on Instagram at bwhiteh2o. Get it? H2O like water. You can also follow him on Facebook. Music. A huge thank you to Gunnar Olsen for the wonderful music provided for this podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. As well as his website, gunnarolsen.net. Check out some of the samples that he has recorded. They're amazing. He's an amazing percussionist. If you want to follow the show, we've got a Facebook group, Some of All Fears. Instagram, Twitter, you can find us at Some Fear Fans. If you have some feedback for the show, email me at somefearfans, S-O-M-E-F-E-A-R-F-A-N-S at gmail.com. I'll be happy to, to take those into consideration. Also, if you'd like to be a guest, email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can try to iron out some details and get that settled in. You know, give us some feedback if on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. 
it makes the show bigger and it's not going anywhere. I'm going to record as many shows as I possibly can. If you want to follow me on social media, I am at Ryan Perio. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O on all social media platforms. You can follow me there and you can check me out at ryanperio.com, my website. I'll try to list upcoming shows there as well. It's been kind of spotty because as soon as I set it up, that's when the pandemic happened and everything's kind of just in a, in a holding pattern. Thanks again for listening to the Sum of All Fears podcast. Next week, we'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.